Boom! Hey, Cryptonauts! Welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John, with my co-host, Jake Chabrelli. Here to give you the crypto news of the day. This is episode 400. We finally got to 400. What do you think about that, Jake? Lucky number 400. <laughs> 400, man. Yeah. We made it. Yeah, we, we made, made it, it to 400. Yeah, it's only the beginning. When once we have hit to uh, fourteen hundred, then we can look back and go, <laughs> "We were such noobs back then." Oh my goodness! Yeah. So, yeah, yeah uh, it's good. It's good. It's a good weekend. This is the beginning of May, first day of May, and uh, it's a weird May because uh, I I have my birthday in this it's in this month, and I'm used to Mother's Day being closer to my birthday, but it's really far away from my birthday this time. So, mm. normally, well, it... go ahead. No, Star Wars Days is coming up, right? Yeah, the Star Wars Days, right. Also, uh, also Bitcoin Pizza Day. May, May the 4th, and then, of course, Cinco de Mayo. And I know I'm saying it wrong. And then uh, Revenge of the Sixth. So, looking forward to all the holidays that have, we've made up in the last 20 years. <laughs> Except for Cinco de Mayo, which has been around forever. The, so. the biggest one that's going to be coming up is Bitcoin Pizza Day. That's going to be a cool one, man. We got which, which day is that? Is that the 16th? Or the... That's the... Uh, actually, I posted it because I already forgot the date. It's on uh, uh, C3 Media General uh, over here. Let's see. Scroll up. On May 22nd. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my friend's birthdays. I'm not going to say who. Don't want to embarrass them. Anyways. Um, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Let's... Uh, you get the plug? Yeah, let's do that. Let's... Uh, Cryptonauts, we do have a lot of awesome stuff going on here with C3 Media, Cryptocurrency Chat. You can check us out on, on YouTube, Discord, Twitter. Uh, we're building up our website. We have a bunch of referral links here on our coin tree. And if you just want to help, you know, uh, donate some crypto, we do have a crypto wallet here. You can donate some Bitcoin, Ethereum, BNB, Raven, Bat, Litecoin, and a bunch of stable coins. With that said, I think uh, we should get started with the... Oh, what about the crypto job? Well, and the, we were doing crypto, yeah, crypto well, job yeah, crypto and then the crypto quote. Sorry. Let's do, let's do yeah. the crypto quote of the day. New format. The crypto <laughs> quote of the day is our new little thing. Bing, bling. I wish I had some sound effects. Yeah. That'll be my own sound effects. Bing, bling. The quote of the day is, if you don't believe it or don't get it, I don't have time to try to convince you. Sorry. By Satoshi Nakamoto. Exactly. All right. And the crypto job? What's the crypto, crypto job? job of the day? So if you head over to our Discord, we do have a bunch of channels. One of them is a really cool channel called Crypto Careers. You can head over there, and this is updated regularly. There's a bunch of new jobs. So if you're into crypto and you want to get a job into crypto, this is a good place to come check out. So I'm going to check out this job here by BitGo. I have this the, the page open here. I'm going to read it to you guys. This is for the uh, staff software engineer backend blockchain operating system. Okay. BitGo is leader in custody and security solutions with over $60 billion in assets under custody. Founded in 2013, BitGo is the first digital asset company to focus exclusively on service, uh, service, serving institutional clients. In 2018, it launched BitGo Trust Company, the first qualified custodian purpose built for storing digital assets and establishing BitGo New York Trust in 2021. BitGo, BitGo also offers market-leading trading, lending, borrowing services, and supports over 400 digital assets on its platform. BitGo provides the security and operational backbone for more than 500 institutional clients in 50 countries, including many of the world's top cryptocurrency exchanges and platforms. BitGo is looking for a software uh, staff software engineer in our, to join our blockchain OS team to help us build resilient 
robust services and are responsible for working on critical projects with limited or no supervision. This role can be worked remotely so long as your home base is, is Metro San Francisco, Palo Alto, NYC, Austin, Seattle, Salt Lake City, or Toronto, Canada. Responsibilities, really quick. Actually, should, what, what should I read? What is more, more important? What do you think, Jake? Responsibilities, skills, or require, required? I think it's probably most important what people have as a bare minimum. Just because you need people to know what they absolutely must do. Everything else is really, you know, normal job stuff, in my opinion. But right. the bare minimum, like, what do we need from you primarily? Okay, so Cause... what BitGo needs from you primarily is minimum of eight years in building enterprise-level applications on a cross-functional agile software development team, strong development experience with any of the JVM languages, preferably Java or Kotlin. Experience building web services, preferably using REST. Development experience building microservices in Spring. Experience with uh, asynchronous messaging technologies such as Apache, uh, Kafka, JMS, or RabbitMQ. Experience working with public cloud development, preferably AWS. Strong relational database experience. Experience in an agile development environment with continuous integration and continuous delivery using tools such as Git, Docker, uh, I wish Kuber we had that Kubernetes. Kubernetes. Experience with production, troubleshooting, and analysis using log slash debugging tools such as Grafana, ELK, Splunk, or New Relic. Highly proficient in understanding new technologies, accomplishing projects, goals successfully. So if you're a programmer and you're intuitive, you're probably good for this job. There it is. So check it out. Apply. Come join our Discord if you want to apply for it. All right, now, Jake, am I first? I think I'm first. For the crypto news of the day, we're going to transition over to crypto news no, no, of the I'm day. No, no, I'm the one who's going first. I'm doing the $1 million in eight years for... Ah, oh, no, no, Mexico. Okay. No, you're right. Mexico was first. My bad, because it came earlier okay. in the day. I forgot. <laughs> I moved my, my tabs around, and I forgot that you were first. No my bad. All right, so uh, this is written by Dimitar Zanzarov, Mexico City. Senate building has a Bitcoin ATM. So if you guys don't know, this was actually reported uh, a couple days ago. That uh, in the Senate bill in Mexico's uh, uh, capital capital city, they actually put um, a Bitcoin ATM inside of the of, of the the Senate building. That's like freaking awesome, you know. Just to do that, that's like an iconic moment. Now, I don't think that's happened here, has it, Jake? In the states, I don't think it has. These are all like in private inside businesses. of a no, yeah. It's always private business. I've never seen any Bitcoin ATM inside of a, a federal building. That's insane. Right. That's so crazy. Right. So this is like one of those biggest things. Like there it is, iconic. Uh, they, they there's they're still growing their their Bitcoin ATM machines in Mexico. I mean, it's still slowly adopting it. Uh, they expanded over to to Cancun, Tijuana, Guadalajara, and Culiacan. Uh, but they, they still got some more to go. They only have, what, a uh, little over a dozen uh, ATM machines. Uh, but hopefully in the near future, they'll start expanding. Uh, let's see what else was being said. Is Oh, is Bitcoin becoming close to legal tender in Mexico? What's your guess, Jake? Without without reading it, what's your guess? Mm, I don't know if it's going to be legal tender, per se. I mean, I know Mexico in the past has had pretty high inflation. That was in the 80s. Um, I would say they're still hesitant on it. <clears throat> yes, I think, CBDC, I think yes, officials... Bitcoin, no, not yet. What was that? I say CBDC, yes, Bitcoin, no, not yet. Yeah, and that's exactly what's written here in this article that they're talking about. Uh, 
looking at a CBDC. And you know, like, I did uh, not read the article. Although I do technically have it up on the screen, I didn't actually read it yet. So <laughs> yeah, they do have a. Uh, I think they're looking at a peso CBDC. Um, the thing about CBDCs, in my opinion, if you start looking at all the nations that are adopting CBDCs, it, it, in my humblest of opinions, you know, CBDC, I'm going to directly correlate with dictatorship. 100%. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. The only thing I do like about it is that it brings more awareness to what blockchain technology is to the masses. That's it. I'm not saying that CBDC is a good thing. I'm saying that bringing awareness of blockchain technology and what it does for the globe is a good thing. CBDC to me is just a government token backed by private banks to give ultimate metadata, metadata control to governments about their citizens. To me, that's a dictatorship. What do you, what, what do you say about that? Am I crossing the line there, Jake? Uh, Mexico City is a dictatorship? No, I'm saying that anybody. Th so I'm trying to correlate CBDCs with, uh, with 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 a dictatorship. Anybody, any nation out there that's creating a CBDC, and there, you, you, we've read a bunch of them. A lot of nations are coming out with their CBDCs, and I'm I'm concluding that anybody that's working with a CBDC or coming out with one is pretty much what they're doing is just creating a token to control the masses. No, I don't think that's the only reason. I I I would say that not every country is interested in pure hegemony. Um, but that's just my opinion. I mean, I'm at, how do I know? But I guess the, the, reason, the way I think of it is a CBDC is an, an attempt for a nation to get into um, a, a digital currency. I re, you and I think of you know, CBDCs as, as uh, you know, dictatorship-esque because we already know that that's kind of what's happening with uh, El Salvador. But... Um, I don't think that the people creating it necessarily are thinking we're here to own these people. I don't think that's what it is. I, particularly when it comes to my opinion of the United States. Even though I lived in the United States my entire life, I honestly think that the intent is not to own people if they ever went with a CBDC. I think the intent is to make uh, trans money transactions easier and faster. It can become... Mm -hmm dictatorship-like, but I don't think that's the point. And so would I say every other country that's done it? No, I wouldn't say every other country that's done it too is also interested. I think they're honestly interested in the, in the benefit of their people, but we know how easily it could be abused, and that's the reason we're worried about it. So maybe you have a different, mm. slightly different perspective on it than you do in that sense. Perfect. All right, we'll close this one out. That's it for Mexico City. All right, next news. All right, so how can Bitcoin reach a million in eight years? Arthur Hayes explains. Um, he's basically saying that there's a <clears throat> doom loop, as he calls it, for the phenomenon which represents three things across countries in the globe. Uh, selling debt to domestic entities, selling debt to foreigners, and uh, central bank printing money, which is a lot of <laughs> what the United States currently does. And that's why he, he's you know, postulating this concept of doom, doom loop. Um, and he's not wrong entirely. So uh, definitely something that all countries have had a problem with, and especially Western countries. Um, I'm, I'm not even going to say China has had this problem too, and it's not a Western country. So, um, but you know, like what's the result and how, how is it that Bitcoin itself would become a million dollar value, even though we're, he's literally basing it on us dollar and implying that it's worth a million us dollars. Um, one inflation, right? That's 
that's part of it. But it it's too it's kind of a um, he's blaming hodlers. He says um, hodler culture could hamper the network's performance when all Bitcoin blocks have been mined, since miners would no longer receive block rewards when they rely on transaction fees. So it. It's mostly having to do with ridiculous inflation, right? Let's say the U.S. dollar went to um, uh, being worth 0.0001 cent, which is possible, although unlikely, because it's so heavily used throughout the world. Um, but it's in that point, it's a transition between uh, the U.S. dollar being valued as a world currency to being to Bitcoin becoming valued as the world currency. And so, of course, it would look like it's worth a million dollars, when in fact you're comparing it to the U.S. dollar, which at that point is worthless. So it's like, oh yeah, worth a million U.S. dollars don't have value anymore. So it's it could be, but that it, I hate to go into more detail, but I'm going to try to sum this up really quickly. Your opinion of what, uh, and I'm making a bold statement right now, of what teleportation would do for the world is wrong, because you're basing it on your current knowledge. This is the same problem with what Arthur Hayes is saying. Your current knowledge of what the U.S. dollar is worth is not even what it's worth, right? right. U.S. dollar is worth right. practically nothing compared to what it was worth 100 years ago. Right. Why? Right. Inflation. Inflation's mm-hmm. only going to get worse. And this is why he's saying it could reach a million dollars within eight years because of the inflation. I just bleeped myself out by saying something that way. Um, but the And he's not wrong, in my opinion. Inflation. If inflation keeps up where it is, eight and a half percent, like it is right now in the U.S., uh-huh. he's uh-huh. he's absolutely correct. It will definitely happen, and that's the problem. Is because the value of the dollar will become worth absolutely nothing, and so of course a million dollars. It's like what was it when in, in Nazi Germany, um, when uh, the you know, you know the the what's it called the uh, 1930 U.S. when the dollar became almost worth nothing. Inflation was like 20 percent. It's the same problem. You know, it, you, you're comparing it to a thing that has no value. Let's compare it to the Russian ruble, <laughs> right? Mm. It, 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 it's a question of your understanding of the dollar or the, or the unit you're comparing it to. So, yeah, he's right. What do you have to say about it? Uh, that, I think you hit all the points there. Yeah. Okay, well, let's Head move on. on to the next one. Yeah, BYC. Yep. Oh, no, that's uh, Slovenia. Sorry. Slovenia. So this one's written by Dimitar Zanzarov. Slovenia ranks as the world's most crypto-friendly nation, which is kind of cool. So there's this private, uh, I guess, uh, uh, aviation firm that goes around Europe, and uh, I guess they've been collecting data on um, which nation has been um, in crypto-friendly. And uh, surprisingly, the around Europe, Slovenia is number one. Uh, second comes Prague, and then third is uh, Madrid, Spain. Um, so that's that's kind of cool. I mean, on a private jet, <laughs> go 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 to Slovenia, Prague, and and Madrid, and try out your uh, your Bitcoin there. Me and it, it, I probably would go to El Salvador if you ask me, just because I think uh, my Bitcoin would probably go a lot farther in El Salvador than in Madrid. As, uh, I studied the economics in Madrid, and they are very, very similar to San Francisco. So if you know anything about San Francisco, it is very, very expensive. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what it talks about here. Um, let's see. 
and that uh, USA has over 30,000 um, uh, Bitcoin ATMs that uh, that we pretty much rank first in, in the globe with uh, with Bitcoin ATM machines. Yeah, that was a quick one. Yeah. Um, well, we're halfway through the so let's just continue on here with BAYC's other side. Nearly $200 million. Remember, dollars aren't worth what they used to be. Uh, mm. Gas burnt in hours. ApeCoin crashes 30%. Oh, that hurts. Mm -hmm. um, Did you get into that? Yeah. Uh, what, actually, what was going on a itself or the actual ape news? Did you get, no, did, I haven't bought did you get ape coin? No. no, I haven't oh, okay. ApeCoin. I was interested in it in the days because it was going up a lot in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, my problem, of course, is Ethereum. And this is the reason I comment pre-show, exactly. and everybody remembers this if they were watching on Twitter. <laughs> I hate Ethereum. I hate Ethereum so damn much. Um, uh, my, I'm not going to go into my personal experience with it, but I'm just going to say that the problem is the fees, and this is exactly what the article is pointing out. The massive demand led to ETH fees being worth $200 million. Well, ApeCoin's price slumped, right? Right? Okay, so if you have to spend a hundred bucks to move a hundred bucks, why are you doing it? Doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. No, if you sense. have a lot of money, and it's a lot of people who got into Ethereum early on in the early days of you know Ethereum started when it was worth pennies, you know, now it's worth many, many hundreds of thousands of percent more than they originally paid for it. And so they're just like, Well, you know, if if I spent a thousand dollars on on Ethereum in the early days, then I have millions mm -hmm. of dollars now. And so, yeah. you know, moving 10 ETH at the cost of 0.01 ETH is nothing. But 0.01 ETH is, you know, it's like 40 bucks. So if you have, if you're moving um, $400,000 and it only costs you 40 bucks, yeah, that's no problem. But if you're moving 0.01 ETH and it costs you 0.01 ETH, that's not practical. So it's just, yeah, I don't. I, I'm kind of just pissed about this article in general, but it's like Board Ape got kind of made their own coin to make themselves look better so that people could trade on land value, and that land value dropped. And it's like they made a point is that Ether, Etherscan shows that users have paid 64,000 ETH in fees. 64,000 ETH, equaling 175 million or roughly 200 million dollars, which is the whole point they're trying to make. And it, it was the same thing as like, what was it? Not Syndicate DAO, it was a Constitution DAO. You know, where they, yeah. they set up yeah. that huge thing that all those people are like, oh, crap, all these people paid all these fees. Like, sorry, we ain't giving your fees back. That's the cost of yeah. doing business. You know, we'll give you your money that's... back to give you your coin back. But then if they're going to give it back, they still got to pay to give them all that money back. That's the reason that's that OpenSea does things on secondary chains and off-chain. And that's yeah. the reason they also got effed, because they did things on off-chain. So it's like, if you people would stop using Ethereum, <laughs> you'd realize there's way better coins out there. EOS, what, what? <laughs> use Solana, use use Tron. There's so many cheaper chains that do the exact same thing ETH does. So, yeah. sorry, I just don't want to talk about it. Let's just move to the next article. We only got 10 minutes <laughs> left, so. All right, go ahead. This is the, yours is the China one, right? Yeah, I thought you had another one. Uh, I have Labor Department. We already talked about BOAC, so okay. go ahead and hit China. So China, Dimitar Zenzarov writes, China distributes $2.3 million worth of digital yuan to the Shenzhen citizen. So if you don't know, uh, what was it, a few months ago? Or has it been a year yet? I don't know if it's been a year, but it was like late last year when China was uh, distributing uh, their, their their actual CBDC um, to to the local citizens out there. They were, they were, they were uh, pilot testing it, and surprisingly, it was well adopted. Not surprisingly, because uh, China is well connected to the internet. They a lot of people do have the very good cell phones out there. 
Um, and so, and they already had the, the, the Chinese, Chinese are already accustomed to tap to pay scanning QR codes. That's normally what the Chinese have been using for the past decade. Yep. Like we're barely catching up to that now, mm -hmm. but they've already been doing that for so long. So when this new CBDC wallet uh, came through, it's like, Hey, uh, here you go. We're going to give you like a hundred dollars and, and, uh, some, uh, some Chinese yuan. Uh, people are like oh, okay sure why not and they just use it so for, for the, the 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 adoption was wasn't wasn't bad it, people were able to use it and uh businesses were able to to, to do the transaction without any kind of issues because they've already been doing tap to pay and, and scanning qr codes with no issues so the, what they ended up doing now this is i guess their second their second wave they just uh um, gave another 2.3 million dollars to uh, the uh, citizens of the uh, the of the uh the futian district um and they're just going to continue on expanding it. So as of right now, they what, what the what the Chinese government uh, did was uh, create a a random lottery system with 130,000 like red packets, which you know has has an uh, X amount of money in it. And uh, whoever whoever uh, came out in the lottery, guess what? There you go. So you're free to get that money and and, and enjoy your time. I think that's pretty cool, you know. But uh, once again, like I said earlier, uh, Jake, I'm still going to go with the fact that uh, a CBDC is like a dictatorship coin. Um, because your data tracking every single person's actions and what they're what they're purchasing, what their habits are, uh, what time they're up, what time they go to sleep. Uh, th that's that's to me a very very dangerous tool mm -hmm. to to know that that this is that that's what this wallet does. Yep. You know. Um, so what what they ended up doing was creating this uh, lottery system using the, the 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 WeChat app. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. No, it's one. it's a uh, we do have some time now, but at the same time, I. I I think it's important to make note that being in a police state like China literally is living in, or Chinese people are literally living in, in the sense that the uh, the government can see your every move and do your everything and basically has you completely digitally under their thumb. Uh, you control every aspect of your life with the exception of what you think, and even then I'd be curious. Um, is I, I don't even know if the Chinese people know what they're giving up. Just, well, we that, about... that 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 goes that goes the same with the El Salvadorians downloading the Chiva wallet. That video that you showed me uh, the other day when I when I watched it last night, that kind of opened up some 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 light um, to what's really some going understanding on. of what yeah. that what that wallet's all about. You know? Yeah, no, the thing that I've seen is like I I watch and I, I'm happy to to talk about these guys. There's a guy, Serpent ZA and Sea Milk, who are both uh, expatriates who used to live in China, and were perfectly happy to continue living in China until they got chased out. Um, and they, they still talk about China today and all the, the terrible faux pas and all the terrible things that, that uh, uh, China has done to its citizens. And they know firsthand because they were there. Um, and obviously, being two Caucasian guys, they don't look Chinese, but um, they, they know exactly how people are treated within the country. And it's, it's horrifying, honestly. It is some kind of 1984 shit because it is, you know, complete, utter hegemonist control. That, obey. that the yeah, obey obey only or else die you know or else your life will be taken from you and it's weird to see a country do it on such a grand scale i mean i realize china, that mm -hmm. russia is trying to do it to some degree I mean, but the only other country that's really really like that is is north korea mm -hmm. um but i mean at least chinese people have the freedom to leave their country whereas you know north korea no you you live there and you're only ever there and you're basically an island nation even though they're uh, actually a peninsula so I just, it, 
I'm not going to get into it now. We don't really have time to talk about it, although I'd love to talk ad nauseum about, about the weirdness of said culture. Um, I'm, I'm sure they think the same of me, but it, it just bothers me that there's... It, the only example I want to use is like Saddam Hussein. He had, in, in a similar sense, the same control over his country in Iraq. And what did he do? He lived in utter and complete fear. You know, he, he basically economically raped his country and took all the money from his people and ruled them out of fear. And he was the most fearful person in the country. And I feel like the same thing with Xi Jinping. Even though he's showing that he's strong by his mandates and such that he does, he's not really strong. Strength is in the ability to give your people freedom and not be afraid of them. And he's, he's the opposite of that. Same, same thing with Putin. Anyways, let's, let's just move to the last article because we're running out of time here. Um, Labor Department criticized Fidelity incorporating Bitcoin for 400K, 401Ks, rather, sorry. Um, so Fidelity is uh, offering, you know, people to invest in, for their, in their 401K accounts with uh, Bitcoin. And uh, the <laughs> U.S. Labor Department's not super happy about that. Um, but they're not going to ban uh, fidelity from doing it. They're just kind of warning people, like, say, you know, this isn't really money. And it's so ironic to hear the U.S. Labor Department say that because they know full well it is money. But they, they, they're just trying to make sure people understand what this is and that the fact is that the value of Bitcoin can decrease as it is currently literally doing right this very moment. Um, but I, I think the thing that's important to note about it is how the uh the it is important to warn people i think that is the most key thing for the u.s labor department to do but i still feel like it's it's a a false warning in the sense of like it's a fear because they don't understand it and the people warning the people who may not understand it are warning it from a standpoint of of fear themselves so it's kind of like don't say no until you know why to say no and that's what I feel is probably the, big, the biggest problem with what's going on here. So even though they're saying, yeah, you can still do it, but just be careful. And it's like, yeah, you guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Fidelity wouldn't have done it if they hadn't done the research. Like their name literally means integrity. That's what fidelity means. Mm-hmm. That's the reason they've so many been... people trust fidelity. Mm-hmm. They've actually been in crypto for, for a good good time now they've yeah. been in it for years yeah they've been and uh, they've been pushing out uh their quarterly papers regarding digital assets yeah to to their investors talking about it to see if there's any interest and they continue to build and build um uh, build build a customer base uh off of, off of crypto so that's that's pretty they they and when the, the reports um i don't know if they're public i did catch one report uh and whoever writes these papers is a genius like mm-hmm. you should don't Give them a bonus. Do not fire them. Fidelity, no. they, they write some high-quality stuff and some deep insight about what's going on with the digital market. Yes. So it, it's the problem, of course, is that people trust the U.S. Labor Department as well because it's yeah. the U.S. Labor Department. And so it's just weird to have an entity warn people about something they don't really know what they're talking about. I mean, I would say that's in general accurate for the, for the government. The government tries, and I know they have a lot of help. They're just people. But the thing is, it's Fidelity's fiscal duty to do it correctly. It's in their fiscal interest. Like, Mm -hmm. they make money if you make money. So, of course, they're not going to tell you to do something unless it makes them money. (laughs) Whereas in the government, it's not about making money. It's about not really making money. It's about 
protecting people in a different sense. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, we've got a couple minutes left. So I don't, I don't really want to talk about how much time we're doing, but we're trying to hit a goal here for how quickly we get things done. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's why the shortened format of this program is going to be a little bit quicker. But it's, um, yeah, uh, I, I feel very strangely about the news we read today because it all makes me kind of hot under the collar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it, That's people. how it felt. We're kind of, yeah. Hey, we get some good stuff and some bad stuff. Sometimes you just got to flow with it. It's like crypto. And if you guys don't know, the crypto market is down. This is, what, uh, May 1st. And uh, everything's down. So if you want to buy some crypto for a discount, I think right now is a pretty good yeah. damn time. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. I am a... I, I'm going to have to confess to you, Jake, that I am being a motor uh -oh. And I bought some crypto yesterday. Oh, what's and, wrong with that? You, you bought it. You're buying the it, dip. It's a good thing. And if it goes down another, uh, I, I'm going to say another 5% uh, to, to what it is now, I'm going to stack some more. Yeah. Stack those sats, man. Yeah. I'm, like, the... Literally, I'm just like about 5%. It's like, should I do it right now? It's only 5%. But uh, like, I want to reap the rewards. Like, yes, I beat the market. I got in where I wanted to get in. But, uh, oh, I got to hold, hold my diamond hands and hold my iron fist strong. All right. Well, then with that. Thank you for listening to our short and format show, and we're going to get out of here. But I'll, you want me to do the outro, or you want to do it? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so as we say often in this show, in fact, every single time, unless John forgets, stack sats and hodl. Adios.